What a beautiful Lord's Day morning it is, a great time to praise and thank and worship our great God, how good He has been. This is going to be, Lord willing, the last of our Sunday morning services live stream from our living room, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be back in San Francisco at the Hamilton Square Baptist Church for all of our services beginning next Sunday. Wednesday night, live stream again from our home here. But we've started out, I believe, on March 23rd of last year. Uh, and we have been live streaming from our living room here for all of these weeks. And I hope that you will be a part of our ministry at the church now, as you have been faithfully on our live stream ministry. Our Verse continues to be, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. The only really real healing that America can experience today will come from the hand of God, not from a vaccine, mm -hmm. but from the hand of Almighty God, who has blessed us through this time, has been so patient with us as a nation. Is your heart ready to praise the Lord and to thank Him? Enter into His courts with thanksgiving, into His gates with thanksgiving, I'm sorry, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. All right, let's go in our Bibles to uh, have our time of Bible reading, and we'll be reading in Psalm 19 today. Psalm 19, one of my favorite psalms. It talks about the glory of God. It talks about the Word of God and how important it is to us. Psalm, one, uh, psalm 19, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May God bless the reading of his word. As I think about the events of the past year, 
I stand amazed just seeing the hand of God through all of it. It was amazing. We have been trying to feel our way along as a church, and a couple of months ago, actually three months ago or so, we started thinking seriously about when will we return to regular ministry at our facility uh, on Gary Boulevard in San Francisco. And not knowing exactly what was going to happen, we were very prayerful about this. We had a meeting of our church leadership a little over a month ago, and the decision was made that Easter Sunday would be a good time to do this and to, to begin. At the time, we did not know how progress would be made as far as the regulations, uh, county and state regulations were concerned. But it's been amazing how the hand of God has been in all of this. And a week ago or so, uh, San Francisco moved into what they call the orange tier I have in hand. Uh, on, the, on, on the table here before me, I have the news article here, and uh, indoor worship and funerals may expand to 50% capacity, may resume singing, etc. And uh, so it's absolutely amazing how God has led us in this. Uh, that means uh, we can very easily take up to 150, 200, pe 200 people in our auditorium. Uh, that would be 50% capacity, so we, have, we don't have any they're concerned about the number of people, and they're not going to send the singing police. So we can sing. Uh, so uh, And with freedom we can sing. So uh, it's going to be just a joyful occasion. Many of our people have, uh, have availed themselves of getting the vaccine. Uh, and if you want to get the vaccine, if that's your desire, I want to urge you to do it right away. And the reason being, in a week or two, they're going to open it up to everyone over 16 years of age. And it's going to be very difficult uh, getting your vaccine because everybody's going to be in line at that particular point in time. So, so if you anticipate a need or you wanted to get the vaccine, some do not, and that is fine. I, that is not a problem uh, at all with me. As far as I know with the church, it's not a problem. This is an individual matter. But if you want to get the vaccine, and most people that do will not feel free until they get it. So I would just urge you to get it, get it over with, and let's get on with the work of God. Uh, it is so important, it is so important that we, that we do this. So if you will, avail yourself of that. God has been good to us. I believe that he has wonderfully led us in the decisions that have been made. I thought that maybe Easter would be just a little bit early, but as I've watched the hand of God and seen things happen, a number of our people, again, have been vaccinated, That those that want to. And uh, so, if you will... Uh, things are working very nicely in, in this direction. Uh, I want to share with you just a little testimony, a personal testimony as your pastor. It, it's very uh, interesting that God puts a pastor in a position of, of great responsibility. Uh, and any leadership that the pastor gives to the church affects everyone in the congregation, affects their lives profoundly. It affects the ministry of the church profoundly. And uh, when we were faced with a new virus, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know how potent it was. We didn't know how it was going to, going to affect the general populace. Uh, it, was, it was presented to us as having potential for great damage in human life. And uh, there has been a lot of loss of life in the United States of America, but across the world and around the world, the virus is still uh, pretty much having full, full sway. 
absolutely amazing when you face this kind of thing. What do you do? So we decided with the other churches, almost unanimously at first, the other churches decided that we should, we should cease assembling for the physical well-being of our people and for, for, their, for their protection because we did not know as to how deadly the virus ultimately would be. And up front, uh, our own congregation uh, had no deaths, uh, but uh, we, are, we had relatives and friends and acquaintances that died from the, from the COVID and some became very fearful because initially there were a lot of deaths that, that happened. And so mine was the decision that we would, we would cease operations as a church. But I had a personal decision to make. And this is what I want to share with you today. I was told, and you were told, that anyone who is over, <clears throat> over 65 years of age needed to shelter at home. Needed to stay home. Stay away from everyone else. Let somebody else do your shopping. Stay away from the office. Stay away from people. If you get out, wear a mask. Stay away from people. And take care of yourself. And be very, very careful that you don't contact anyone else. Now, what does a pastor do? I thought to myself, if I do that, I will have no ministry. I will have no church. Everything is going to die in the vine. The office was supposed to be closed because we were considered a non-essential business. So I was not supposed to go to the office. Those were the regulations. Staff was not supposed to go to the office because we were non-essential. So we were supposed to do nothing. And we thought of live streaming from the church, but we didn't have the bandwidth in our internet connection there to do it. And I said to myself, what am I going to do as a pastor? And I made a decision. I decided I'm not going to be careless and stupid, but I'm going to get on with the ministry. I'm going to the office. I'm going to call the staff together. We are going to work together. We are going to hold the church together. And we are going to put things together as best we can. Now, that was a dangerous thing to do. The authority said, don't do it. We have been holding live stream from our living room here in our own personal home. And we've had anywhere from 8 to 15 or 20 people every Sunday in our living room here. Unmasked. We've had a wonderful lunch and mingle after every service. I recommend lunch and mingle. Unmasked. And we have spent hours together here. The staff has worked hours together at the church. You say, oh, pastor, do you really? No, no, no. You see, I learned long ago in my ministry that if God wants you to do something, he'll take care of you so that you can do it. Amen. Did you hear me? It's not self a selfish thing to engage in what God wants you to do. I learned God takes care of his own servants when you follow his will and when you do his work. So we decided we'd have some in-person get-togethers at the church, the men in their fellowship, the ladies in their fellowship, the teens in their fellowship. This has been going on every month for the last year. We made that decision because we felt that God would honor us if we honored him. Let me repeat that. We felt that God would honor us if we honored him. 
Let me repeat that. We felt that God would honor us if we honored him. And then we've had four services. We did it underground, under the radar at the church. We've had singing. We've had fellowship. It's been a joy for the saints to get together. We weren't supposed to do that. But as your pastor, I felt, look, if we don't honor God, God will not honor us. Repeat. If we do not honor God, God will not honor us. My health means nothing if I can't glorify God with it. It means nothing to me. God is the one who gives me my health. Now, I've been vaccinated twice. That's a, I, I think that's, for me, that's the safe thing to do. But the, safe thing, the safest thing for me to do is to walk in the will of God. Amen. That's the safest place to be. And with joy, when we get together next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the fact that we have been through a year of active ministry. Our workers have been out among, among some of our teens and our young people and, and have been among our other people ministering actively during this time. And I want to report to you that contrary to all of... of, of our virus spreading activities, not one person in the last year has caught the virus from one of our, from one of our church people. Not one person, are you listening to me? Not one person has caught the virus from one of our church people in the last year. God has honored us. God has protected us. God has helped us. God has blessed us. And because of this, I have no hesitation to urge all of you to come out of your homes, come out of your place of refuge, and come into the congregation of God, and let's honor God and put the ministry back together again and trust God to take care of us. Now, God has proved himself faithful, and God will prove himself faithful. And it's our business, first of all, not to preserve our own lives, but to preserve the work and the ways and the will of God. That is our primary responsibility in life. I learned early on in my ministry, I think I'll share with you one or two occasions, it's absolutely amazing. You'll say, Pastor, Pastor, you, 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 you are so careless. No, I'm not careless. Walking in the will of God is not carelessness. Did you hear me? Walking in the will of God is not carelessness. It's careless not to work in the, uh, walk in the will of God. Yeah. That's carelessness. And I remember when I was a young pastor, I had uh, some guys from Bob Jones went with me to Morgan, to North Carolina, and we started a church bottom-up, no sponsorship, nobody to help us. They said, you can't do that. Well, we, I, I said, well, if God can't do it, why, why, should, why should I think a denomination can do it? So we went and we did it. And in the process, I'm this young preacher, green behind the ears, no experience. And there was a wealthy, wealthy business owner who uh, thought he was going to uh, do some harm to this young preacher that was so naive and so on. And I learned later on that what had happened was that he had hired an investigator. And he was trying to trump up morals charges against me. I had no idea that this was going on in the background. His mother was attending my church and that upset him. Huh. 
And he was going to trump up morals charges. Do you know what happened to the man? He had a massive stroke and died in the process. And I said, wow. God takes care of young preachers that don't know what they're doing. I've learned time and time again. When I went to Southern California, I was on the staff of a large church, and then God called us out to Yucca Valley, and, and everybody told me, you're going to starve out there. The church has had a bad split. There's nothing left of it. They can't pay you. Don't go out there. You're going to starve to death. Well, I found out that when you go where God wants you to go, it works out. I had a family to provide for. When I came to San Francisco, this church was next, wasn't much left of this church. And everybody, the, the, unanimous, the, the advice was unanimous from seasoned preacher friends of mine. Don't go there. Don't go there. You're going to risk, you're, you're going to take your family to San Francisco. You're going to risk everything for, listen, listen. If, if I took the kind of caution that some of my congregation is taking today, I wouldn't be here today and our church wouldn't be here. There is no risk-free way. If the Apostle Paul took the kind of care and caution to his well-being that we take, there would be no New Testament churches all through the known world. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. I want to challenge you to come out from your fear and terror and self-preservation, and I want to challenge you to give your life to the work of God no matter what happens to you. That's what I have done. And that's why we're here today. And that's why we've been through this year together. This would not have happened had I not made that decision a year ago. And many of you, I'm sure, were questioning my sanity at the time. But here we are, and the blessing of God is with us. Now we need to pray our way through that. This is a spiritual battle. This is not a virus battle. This is a spiritual warfare we're in today. God is trying to talk to the whole world. He's brought the whole world to its knees with a pestilence. You shall not be afraid. What is that? That's the word of God. You shall not be afraid. You are not to fear the terror by night. You are not to fear the arrow that flies by day. You are not to fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand will fall on your right side, ten thousand on your left hand. It will not come near you. Now that's when you're walking in the will of God. Don't forget, listen, if God is really God, then you and I are immortal Amen. until God is through with us. Nothing, Nothing, when we walk in the will of God, nothing can destroy our lives apart from the permission of God. And if God gives permission, then we need to go home. We need not to stay. Because we'll not be in the will of God here if we need to be over there in heaven. God has his will for all of us. Either God is God or God is not God. And I will never forget, almost nine years ago, in fact it was around nine years ago now, when my dear wife had cancer and the prognosis was, they're not going to be able to cure it, it's terminal. And I sat in my office at the church facility on Geary Boulevard. I sat in my office one day and God spoke to my heart. And this is these are the thoughts that came to my mind. If God is really God, 
then you are going to be all right. And I said, wow, God really is God, and I really am going to be all right. There's only one safe place to live, and that's in the center of the will of God. That's the only safe place to live. Now hear me. You don't get this from human wisdom. You get this out of the Word of God. There's only one safe place to live, and that's in the center of God's will. And when you are there, you are literally immortal, untouchable by death, until God decides it's time to take you home. And if he decides to take you home, <laughs> you ought to go home. Yes. <laughs> and who wants to stay under those conditions? So I just want to share with you, I am totally f free, I'm totally at ease with encouraging all of you. Get out of your homes, get out of your fear and your terror, and come and let's honor God. You get on your knees before God and say, Now, God, do you want me to go next Sunday or don't you? And if God says yes, you come. That's our deal. If God says no, you stay. We may have one or two that, for, for good reason, should not come. But it's not more than one or two or three. Things are moving right along. God is good to us. And I'm expecting a time of great blessing and victory. And do, do, do invite friends. Do invite friends and pray that people will accept an invitation to join you for next Sunday's services. And on Saturday also. Uh, and so these are just not meetings together so we can get together and feel good. We have a work to build for God. And we have a work to do for God. It is not over. And I'm praying this will be a new beginning for our church. We will have a fervent spirit of evangelism and testimony and a love for God and a praise for God and a knowledge of his word. So may God bless you and encourage your heart. I love you, dear people. And just pray that just pray that this, this last year will be an experience that will be the foundation for a greater work of God in our church and in our personal lives and in our families. It's not been an easy year. It's been a hard year. But it's through hardship that the Spirit of God works and does His greatest work. So may, may we be blessed as we anticipate, as we anticipate uh, next Lord's Day. Now, I have purposely taken a lot of time just talking to you out of my heart. I want to encourage you. I want to stimulate you. We must, San Francisco must, must have a vibrant, living testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we must be a part of that living, vibrant testimony. And as I prayed this morning in my prayer, I said, God, please, will you just touch everyone in my congregation with a fresh calling, a fresh calling to the work of God. We need that, and we need that restored now. The fires have died down. We, we have been so consumed with our own self-interest and our own self-needs and our own self, the dangers to our own lives. Now we need to be consumed with the dangers to the souls of lost people. Yes. And we need to divert our attention, change our attention. We need to move our eyes from looking down in our world to looking out into a needy world. We need to do that if we will. 
So may the Lord just bless us and help us and stimulate us and, and strengthen us in the work that God has called us to do. I, I, I talk to you with absolute confidence. I saw someone on TV this morning, a pastor, was talking about Abraham, the man who left, who left his city of Ur, great civilization. They'd figured out cube root. They had two-story uh, two homes there, and they had the lavatories in some of their homes, advanced civilization, not a Stone Age civilization. And, and, and Sarah said, where are we going? I don't know. <laughs> What's it like when we get there? I don't know. <laughs> and he left with no forwarding address. <laughs> now listen, let's 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 cut the past, let's leave no forwarding address, and let's go into the will of God wherever, wherever that takes us. And whatever it costs, doesn't matter to me. I've given my life and my fortune, I've given my money, my material resources. My entire, I've given it to God, and if it gets consumed, that's fine. That's fine. You never lose what you give away to God. That's right. You keep it all. So may the Lord stimulate us. I'm looking at my sermon notes, and I'm saying I can't even give an introduction to this thing, possibly this morning. But I want you to look at it, and I'll tell you what the concern is. I have a real concern about this sermon. It's a part of a series that I've been bringing about the age in which we are living and, and, and how far we have departed from God. And it begins with a text that appears to be very, very negative. And my concern is that, that so few Christians know how to have God-centered thinking. Absolutely amazing. I, I, I've got a paraphrase here, really it, it's more an expanded translation than it is a paraphrase because it is a translation in its own right. But I have, it's from Romans chapter 1, but let's, let's just talk about the book of Romans for just a moment, okay? Uh, Romans, of course, was written to people in Corinth. No. <laughs> no. no, it was not. Romans was written to believers in Rome. All right, now Rome was a pagan city. It was strong, the, the, the paganism there was powerful, powerful. But there were also Jewish people there. And if you examine the book of Romans, it is an amazing book. Uh, there, there, there seem to be some themes that run through the book, the, the earlier chapters especially. Uh, some, some people have said that the book of Romans could be well entitled The Gospel of God. Because it's 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 the it's the it's the nature of the it's the nature of those that hear the gospel and need the gospel. It's the nature of the work of the cross, the good news that takes all of these sinners and transforms their lives. And then it's it's the nature of the living out of the transformed life in the latter chapters. And in three chapters, it's the nature of the gospel as it affects the nation of Israel, which largely has rejected the gospel. So we, we could call the book, we could title it The Gospel of God. We, we could give it that, that title. Uh, we could also, we could also, could also give it the, the title The Righteousness of God. Um, you, you have the righteousness of God in relation to sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, you have the righteousness of God provided by faith in Jesus Christ in the next chapters, the righteousness of God that, that was missed by Israel in the three chapters and then, and the righteousness of God lived out in, into the, in the lives of believers. You, you could just take Romans and you could just 
look at it in, in view of the righteousness of God. One of the difficulties, if, if, I, if I begin with Romans 1, and we will do that, one of the, one of the, diff, one of the difficulties is that Romans 1 is, is addressed to a, a pagan society that is aggressively pagan, aggressively and evangelistically pagan, just like the culture in which we live. That's the kind of culture that was in pagan Rome, okay? And it came out of idolatry, and idolatry, apart from immorality, does not exist. Immorality, all kinds of perverse sex, all kinds of sex, uh, sexual rights are a part of idolatry. Most people don't know that. Idolatry has more to, more to do than just with wooden images and golden images. The practice of the worship of these gods ends up in gross immorality. So there is a dedication to immorality in this, in this aggressively pagan age in the Roman culture and in the Roman civilization. But here's the problem. We miss this whole thing. We, we do. And especially the Christian church misses this. When we look at Romans chapter 1, we say, yes, amen, that is true. These things are horrible. These things are terrible. But when we get to chapters 2 and 3, we get to the Jews and we get to religious people, which are just as sinful as the pagan people are in the eyes of God. In Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have gone together. They're all useless. They're all together unprofitable to God. They're all wrapped up in sin. And the difference is we have, we have non-religious sinners and we have religious sinners. Right. And, and so when we look at this thing, we pick on the non-religious sinners so much, especially from our pulpits we do. We pick on the non-religious sinners so much and we leave the religious sinners alone. So, so, so Paul is balanced in his approach. But he's talking to you who are at Rome, and of course they're living in this pagan culture, and then he talks about the profound, powerful impact of the gospel on both classes of people. But when you get to chapters uh, uh, 10, 11, and, uh, 9, 10, and 11, you find out that the religious people are just as guilty of rejecting God Hear me, religious people are just as guilty of rejecting God as the pagans are. <laughs> so, so you have two classes of people. You have non-converted pagan people who know nothing of God, and you have religious people who profess to have everything about God, who know nothing of God as he really is, and who have rejected the God of salvation who came in the person of Jesus Christ. So which one is more wicked? Both of them equally wicked. So we are going to deal with the pagan part of this thing. But we are going to do it with the understanding when we talk about creator and we talk about creation, there, there's an emphasis in this, in this, on this first page in, in creation. This is very, 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 very interesting application and emphasis. But, but the creator, hear me now, the, the creator, the second person of the Trinity, is the agent in creation. Jesus Christ himself personally was the creator. John's Gospel, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. And the Word was face to face with God 
And God, deity, was the word. The same existed in the beginning with God. Everything was made by him. Everything came into existence by him. By who? The word. Who is the word? Jesus Christ. And apart from the word Jesus Christ, nothing that exists has come into existence. Hear me. Jesus Christ is your creator personally. This is important. People think, well, I accept God, but I don't accept it. But your creator is Jesus Christ, specifically. And the amazing, marvelous truth is that your creator is the one who came in flesh to die for your sins and rescue you. The creator of the world is the redeemer of the world, the repurchaser of the world, the one who dies and sacrifices his life for the sins of the world. He's the Lamb of God. So the same one that created you died for you. This gets intensely personal. And if you're going to reject him, the consequences can only be catastrophic. There is no alternative. There is no other God. There is no other place to flee. And if you tell him no, and if you tell him I will not have your salvation then the consequences are profound. They are profound. Why do we have the perverse immorality we have in America? It is because of a rejection, number one, of the Creator, and number two, of the Redeemer. That's right. That's why we have it. That's why we have it. And then everybody blames God because they say He sends people to hell. Now listen, don't blame God for your rejection of your Creator and your Redeemer. Don't, you can't blame God for that. The fact that he came and died for you and he tried to save you, to rescue you, and you said no to him, and you said, I'll not have you, and I'll have nothing to do with you, and then you say he wants to send you to hell when he's tried to take you to heaven? Come! Come, come! At such personal price and such personal cost, say. So when we are dealing with this text, we need to be careful as believers and unbelievers how we listen to what this text says. It's an amazing text. It, high, it, it reveals what happens to individuals who when they are faced with their Creator, who is Jesus Christ, they are faced with their Redeemer, who came specifically. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. What is this Easter season about? It is about God coming into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, your Creator coming to die personally for your sins so that you could be rescued from the judgment of those sins. And then you tell Him no. And then you blame God for judging you? You've got to be kidding. How do you stand today with this thing? If ever there was good news... That God would love a sinner such as I. The hymn writer said, how wonderful is love like this. Wow. How can it be? How can it be that God would love a sinner such as I? Oh, how can it be? That's another song. Wow. And in wonder and in awe, we look at the cross of Jesus Christ. 
where on his back were heaped all of the sins of all mankind through all of history to bear the full judgment of God's powerful wrath for my personal sins and your personal sins. This ought to be a day of praise and thanksgiving. Awe and wonder. Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? I'm going to reprint the outline and we'll, we'll preach through it after Easter. But may I say, God came to save the pagans, the non-religious sinners, and he came to save the religious sinners. Oh, I keep the Ten Commandments. Listen, are you telling me you're going to bypass your Redeemer? Do you make a mockery of Jesus dying for your sins because you think you can, you can buy your way into heaven with good works? You can get there without what he did. Think about that. Think about that. By grace we're saved through faith, that not of ourselves. Of God it is the gift, not by works, not out of works, lest any man should boast. Whether you're religious or non-religious, the issue is, he who has the Son, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. has eternal life. Right. He who does not have the Son of God, doesn't matter what else he has or doesn't have, he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Wow. Good news is that you can today cry out to Jesus Christ. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever he may be, shall be rescued from the judgment of his sins, shall be saved. Call on him today. Lord Jesus Come and save me from my sin. Live in me. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you for dying for my sins, for rising from the dead. Thank you that you're a living Savior. Come and live in me today. I receive you as my Savior. Wow. Your life will never be the same. Your Creator will become your Redeemer, and you will have in Him eternal life, eternal life. Father in heaven, thank you for the tremendous good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May men and women everywhere cry out to the Lord Jesus to save them, receive him as their Savior and Lord. And may those of us who have done so May we very wonderfully praise and thank your name. May we, may we in awe and wonder worship, worship our Lord Jesus and worship you, our Father in heaven, for your great love for us and your great works of salvation. Thank you for this season of the year that we celebrate. May it be a time of triumph and joy and victory and blessing in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.